Hey everyone, Ben here with a quick interruption before we get into today's episode to let you know that we have been nominated for a Sports Podcast Award. Yippee! That is very, very exciting. We are actually incredibly honoured and excited to have that nominee. And you, the listener, yes, the very person that is listening to this right now can help us win a Sports Podcast Award and get us on the podium for once rather than always being off the podium. To do so, head to sportspodcastawards.com. Dot com, register to vote, click on the Best Olympic and Paralympic Podcast category where you can then vote for us to win. Now, you will have to listen to the other nominees as well, but let's be honest, you know you're going to vote for us because you're listening to our show today, which means we know you like us and we'd very much appreciate the vote in advance. Sportspodcastawards.com, that's how you do it, and we thank you in advance. And everybody who votes for us, we promise to thank you in our acceptance speech should we win. Right now, I'm going to shut up, play some music, and then you're going to hear me talk again as we get into today's episode of Off the Podium. Enjoy. They're standing and they're applauding that dramatic performance by James Torvald and Christopher Dean. Alex Philodeau. It takes a lot to make him happy and he is clearly pleased. She's up. She's moving nicely. She's got it. Yes. Sally Stegel, 132.67 has won at least the medal. She's 0.24 up. You beauty. On the ice for the Gimlet. The Gimlet scoping. It is Off the Podium, an Olympics podcast coming to you today for the start of the Beijing Olympics. They are here. Get excited. You can tell from the excitement in my voice that I'm extremely excited. It's got nothing to do with the fact that I'm recording this at 1.35am in a hotel room where people are probably sleeping around me and don't want me to be too loud. But the opening ceremony is done. We are here at another Olympics. It's exciting. The real Olympics, the Winter Olympics. And it is going to be an interesting one to talk about, as they always are, and to help dissect the opening ceremony, to dissect what we've seen so far and look ahead to what we've got coming up in the next few days. It is Emu Plains' number one expert on all things snowflakes. It is Mr. Jared Lubick. Jared, imagine that we had an opening ceremony like that. Imagine. Imagine, imagine. that. So uh, so unexpected, the choices, no predictability in there at all. Uh, didn't fall back on any tropes that we've seen before. Um, nope. Yeah, what an opener. What what an original idea for an opening ceremony. Um, look, I, I will say, obviously, we are very excited the Olympics are officially here. And I will say this, it wasn't as bad as Tokyo. So that was something. It, I think, was slightly better than Pyeongchang, which was something. Um, don't know how I can compare it to Rio. <laughs> um, I like, I didn't hate it, but again, maybe we're just in this period of the Olympics where this is all we're going to get for opening ceremonies. I mean, they can blame COVID as much as they like, but I mean, again, Rio and Pyeongchang weren't exactly a over the top amazing extravaganzas that we've had in the past and COVID didn't exist back then. So 
uh, better than Tokyo, not as good as 2008. How, how's that for a summary? Yeah, I feel that's fair. I feel to me this is probably on par, I want to say, with Pyeongchang. Um, I don't know. I just thought it was underwhelming. Underwhelming, somehow it still felt like it was too long, but at the same time there weren't enough opening ceremony segments. It was all kind of like the, the formal bits that they have to include. Um, and just, yeah, I feel like there was no real wow factor. To me, the best part of the ceremony was the opening bit with like the synced like light tubes mm. um, where they were doing that kind of spring section. Um, mm-hmm. But then after that, I just felt like everything fell flat and I, nothing was exciting at all. It's Yeah, and I like I think it comes down to the format. We talked about this with Tokyo where it's, hey, let's do a little bit and then let's get straight to the Parade of Nations. And then it's like, oh, great, let's, you know, get the athletes in. And I like the idea in principle, but I think the problem that people don't foresee with that is that we like to be entertained for like an hour or so. Get some cultural elements, bring in some stuff. Don't just be like, here's a bit of light. Let's bring in the athlete because we love the Parade of Nations, but at the same time, it does go on for a bit, particularly when you want to see your own country, you want to see a couple of others, and then you want to see the host country. We're not here for as long as we are for the summers. There's only, what, 90-odd nations compared to 200 nations, so obviously it's not quite the same. But it's it's tiring, a parade of nations. So by the time you get to that and then you get back to some cultural stuff, it kind of just it feels off. And it just, I don't know, I don't like this format of bringing the athletes out early if this is what it's going to mean. Because it's what we said with Tokyo. Where was the cultural element? You know, like I get we had Beijing only 14 years ago, so, you know, it might be a bit repetitive, but the US has hosted how many Olympics close to each other in a space of certain years in different cities. And they used to make them feel Atlanta was different to Los Angeles. You know, Salt Lake was different to Atlanta. Like they they do it. So, yeah, I don't know. It just felt like there was just something missing again, didn't there? Yeah, I think. I think you're right. It's just, it's a weird order. I feel like they just need to cut down like the speeches. I think they could just do away completely with the um, Olympic anthem that just needs Mm. to go or just be played while the flag is being raised, but just do like a shortened version. And we don't need, I'm sick of also like children's choirs. It's just such like a a, a go-to. And the fact we had a children's choir followed by, children singing again like straight after i was like just do something unique i'm so just over like children being like overexposed and just the face of everything i'm like get some people with actual talent out there to do something interesting and i've got to say this right now jared um on behalf of australia i think we need to apologize to the olympics we started this trend with nikki webster 22 years ago and every olympic opening ceremony since has gone with this theme of the bloody children so nikki we love you but like Let's bring her back for Brisbane and we'll retire the concept. So mm-hmm. that's that's it. The children are, are done. And one thing that I'm really getting sick of, and I know it's the world we live in, but can we stop with this, we're all in this together crap and the unity and let's all, you know, show basic people coming together to celebrate harmony and imagine we're all one person even Thomas Bark, Olympic champion, fencing is there going. Like, there will be no dis- – like, I actually think that was a threat. He wasn't just like, yes, we are here together. Ah, ah, ah. He's like, if there is discrimination in the village, ah, 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 you will be shot. Like, 
I like these are this is the Olympic fucking games. I'm sitting here for two weeks to watch the best athletes in the world. They these are better human beings than any of us can ever be. They're fit, they're competitive, they're attractive, they're 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 the best at what they do. This isn't the time to be like, oh, we're all one people, we're all great. No. I want to watch these Adonis of men and women compete out there and kick everyone's asses so we can sit here in awe and be like, wow, Jesus Christ, there are some great people in this world. Maybe I need to rethink my life a little bit. That's, that's what the Olympics are to me sometimes. Come on. Yeah, I feel like it's just it's such a, a marketing position and it's really like it just comes up over and over and over again. I'm fine with it being in the ceremony and like a reference to it. They've added in like together into like the – Olympic like faster stronger higher together or whatever which whatever I'm fine with but just the fact it was brought up so often throughout the speeches and then through the commentary of like every segment was like these this is how many everyday people doing this and I'm like well like whatever they're everyday people who've who've trained to walk out to do this opening ceremony thing like it could just be an actor and we wouldn't know that it's an everyday person like it's just it's just really like rammed down your throat throughout. And like, I, I am with you. I just want to see like people be like super competitive, the best of the best. Um, it's great if there's this like mentality that like once it's over, they're all friends or whatever. But during like the competition, I want to see them like going at it. Exactly. And like, look, we get the message. It's it's understandable. But at the same time, it's it just becomes preachy. Like we get it we're together there's there's issues like we it's always like we understand it i don't think there's somebody watching these olympics they're a massive olympic fan like us and they go i get it now we're meant to be together oh thank you olympics like i mean it's there like this is where the opening ceremonies going back to the cultural element i mean think think back to sochi this is russia this is like you know the most expensive not just winter olympics olympics ever they spent you know like 50 billion dollars whatever it was and it's like fuck you we're russia like look how amazing we are like that's what i was expecting from this this is china they're like yeah fuck you we're china like even london in 2012 was just like oh we're british look how much we've done for the world um you know like we just haven't had that since sochi yeah you know i mean Brazil tried to. They were like, look, we're poor. We've got these like shanty places in Rio and we've got a hot model. That's what we do. And I'll oh, stop killing the world because we've got a rainforest and it's important to us, even though we also chop it down. But hey, we'll blame the world. Um, and then I, I barely remember Pyeongchang, Tokyo. There was a person on a treadmill. And um, <laughs> here we had um, Beijing. So, um, yeah, I like, look. I don't know. This, it's. I'm glad I'm not as angry as I was with Tokyo. That's all I'll say. The good, good fireworks. That's to be expected from China, I guess. They invented them. It's, this is true. I feel like, as well, we're going into this horrible phase where they're so reliant on like the LED lights and and like the overlays mm. and the technology, and yep. it's just it's become too much that I'm like. I don't know. There's no point. I feel like for the audience, there's no point going there. Like it's no different being there to watching it on your TV. There's no sense of like yeah. atmosphere because it's just like this overlay and this LED. And it's just, I'm glad that we got kind of, I just think like imagine London putting on their Olympics now mm. and you wouldn't have got any of that, like all of the great stuff of like 
the laying the turf and like the industrial revolution, all this stuff, it all would have been LED and it would have been so like flat and boring and bland. And I get that like it's where we're heading and this, that, whatever else, but and I'm fine with it being included in some sense, like the, the backdrop, like vertical panel of led was fine and interesting, but then just all the overlays across the floor throughout like the whole thing. I was just like, get like an original idea, do something different here. This was just really boring. It's almost like in films, how like the, the special effects, like they age like really badly. hundred percent. And then you see older films where they've used animatronics or like puppetry or like whatever, or like costuming rather than CGI. And like, it stands up better than like the new stuff because in two years time, it's going to look like terrible. And I feel like that's this as well. I'm like, just go like, go old school and, and put some more like time and effort into it that way rather than just relying on technology to, to carry you through. Completely agree. I, I am a big advocate for bringing back the props. I want inflatable kangaroos on bikes. I want inflatable beavers and mounties back, you know. And, I mean, even what you're saying, with, I mean, London is probably still my favourite opening ceremony I've ever seen. And that Industrial Revolution segment just gives me chills even watching that. Um, so I'm 100% with you. And look, I don't know if this is, it, it's, I think it's a mixture of, yeah, modern technology, definitely COVID, I think, sadly, like, I mean, I think Tokyo would have been better and I think Beijing would have been better. You know, Pyeongchang obviously was heavily reliant, which kind of leads into the fact, which I never thought I'd say this, and I don't think you'd ever hear me say this, you know, six years ago when we first started, that it's over to you, France, it's over to you, Paris. Um, and like, I mean, maybe it could be a thing that like our last three Olympics have all been in Asia. So, I mean... You know, we're, we're going to go to Europe for the first time for any Olympics since 2014 in, in 2024. So maybe it could be a little bit different. I mean, I think we're all in agreement. Our last somewhat decent opening ceremony was Sochi and that was in Europe. So, you know, and then obviously we have Italy for the winters and then US and then probably North America for 2030 and then over to us in Australia. So we'll, you know, save it all up. So, yeah, it's interesting. A, a couple of things um, that I also wanted to touch on. Um, that torch, the, the flame, you know, we talked about, uh, lighting Bing Dwen Dwen on fire, Shui Ron Ron, things like that, lighting an athlete on fire. Um, that might be the most underwhelming cauldron I have ever, like it, it wasn't even a cauldron. It was, here's the torch. I'm going to put it in a snowflake and we're going to lift it into, and I'm, I'm, I'm going, okay, what's happening here? Like something's going to happen, you know? Okay. And then they're like, this concludes the opening ceremony. And I'm like, I'm so, I'm sorry. What you just put a torch in a snowflake? Like, what the fuck was that? I mean, seriously, Jared, what the fuck was that? It was so bad, and I was the same. I was waiting for. I was like, okay, so like the border of the snowflake is gonna catch on fire here. Like something's gonna something's it's gonna light something up, and then <laughs> no, it's literally just the torch in a stand. In amongst, like, the the cool part of it was the fact that they had used, like, the country sign to make this, yeah. like, larger snowflake. And also, like, Australia just getting, like, random screen time the whole way through was just great coming out near the end because you're in the centre of the snowflake and our flag was on screen during the speeches. Um, but, yeah, I was just like, there's got to be something more. And then there wasn't. I was like, what? Yeah, it's, it, you're right. It just wasn't a cauldron at all. There was no lighting in the cauldron at this at this opening ceremony. You would remember 2008 when you had the guy running along the freaking roof, right? And you kind of had the, the ribbon cauldron. I mean, what, the one that I actually really didn't like, but in hindsight it looks brilliant. I, I remember actually not liking the London cauldron. Like, I mean, the idea behind it when you had all the country things and you had like the kids lighting and I was kind of like, oh, that's a bit underwhelming. But I mean, now that looks like fucking brilliant compared to what we had. But like, again, think about, Sydney, think about freaking Barcelona, think think about 
Athens with the giant kind of cigar thing coming down, even Sochi uh, and, and even freaking Vancouver when they didn't have one of their bloody things moving up. I mean, even, you know, Tokyo and Pyeongchang weren't that bad. I mean, we never really think sat here and rated the cauldron lightings, but um, yeah, that is the worst I have. That wasn't a cauldron lighting. That was just, we can't be fucked building a cauldron. Let's stick the torch. And like, I guess in all fairness, again, this was a three-day torch relay, a three-day torch relay where the biggest news was Jackie Chan carried the torch on the Great Wall of China. That was literally the biggest story to come from this torch relay. Um, and I, I look, I honestly cannot remember who we predicted would like the cauldron, but somebody from Nordic Combined did, so I'm happy. Uh, so that was that was the win for me, I guess. Yeah, it was just... <laughs> That was that was odd to me as well. I, I get that it was the first time that they qualified in like the event or whatever, but it just was weird to pick a real like no name to like like you wouldn't have you wouldn't have you couldn't have guessed it. It was even weirder than than Brendan being the flag bearer for Australia. Oh, we'll get um, to that. <laughs> but yeah, it's just I just can't get over that. That's the cauldron. Rio's was better. Everything was better. <laughs> like it's just it's it's the worst cauldron of all time. I'm calling it now. Bugger my idea about Bradbury and, and Kieran Perkins, the cauldron in Brisbane. Dean and Tarly for the cauldron in Brisbane. I mean, Tarly's from Brisbane. Um, Dean's halfway there. So, um, I mean, judging on first to qualify for a spot, unless we get a ski jumper between now and Brisbane, Dean and Tarly for the cauldron come Brisbane. I mean, they're, they're taking Australia by storm right now, so why not? Yeah, but, I mean, I suppose the pressure's on if they can actually get the stone to um to, to light the cauldron. <laughs> yeah, they're probably just missing <laughs> the a habit of missing throw. those, uh, those uh, final shots <laughs> under pressure. <laughs> oh, too soon. We feel a bit bad for that. We'll talk about them um, shortly. Uh, but I guess, I mean, the Parade of Nations, yeah, the flag bearers. Um, first of all, congratulations to Team OTP. Three of our former guests are flag bearers official, including both for Australia. Let's talk about them first. Obviously, the choice of Britt Cox, I think, literally comes down to the fact that, uh, you know, she is competing on the weekend. Uh, I think she was a shoe-in for it, but uh, ultimately, you know, probably that's the reason why. I think we all mentioned Laura's name as well, going in uh, kind of as the, the reigning world champion and, and dominant force she's been. So, solid choice. But... When I saw Brett, and this okay, this is no disrespect to Brian Kerry. He's a three-time Olympian. He's our first ever figure skating uh, flag bearer. Great and a great guest. I really enjoyed talking to him back before Pyeongchang. He's a, he's a super nice guy. But how is he the cho- like? I, it, it was so random. Like I I don't like. I literally had a, a joke message with Greta Small saying like, "Hey, well, you know, if Brit, you can take over." Like. In all seriousness, I would have predicted Greta Small over Brennan Carey because Greta carried the flag for the Youth Olympics. So, yeah, I don't like. I, I feel like I'm being disrespectful for him. I mean, great honor, you know. Again, three time Olympian. Don't take that away from him. But could you have ever imagined that Brennan was going to get the nod? No, I feel like this is the issue with the whole dual flag bearer thing, especially I suppose more so for the Winter Olympics where there's less athlete options. It's just the fact that it's two people that are kind of obviously, you know, wanting to keep it like um, fair to both genders. They want a male and female. And then like the fact that a lot of our male athletes have either carried it before the opening ceremony or the closing ceremony. I just feel like they ran out of options. And then you have the added thing of the athletes competing the next day who probably aren't 
going to want to come out to the opening ceremony because they're preparing for their event. It was just, it's just a weird situation. This is why I just wish that we would go back to just like, just go back to a single flag bearer. Um, yeah. Although they, I feel like they did handle, I mean, they had warning, but I feel like all the flag bearers at this time handled the dual flag bearing slightly better. It was less awkward than at the summer Olympics. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like they kind of sorted out whether both of us going to do it. Are we going to kind of switch halfway? There was like a lot of different strategies to how they did and it wasn't as, as terrible as last time, but I just, just go back to a single flag bearer and just it'll avoid all this scrambling of who, who are we going to pick here. Just one quick question for you because I don't know if we talked about this the other day. Uh, your thoughts on on the Aussie team uniform? I'm a bit of a fan. I like the camo. I think it's one of the better team uniforms we've ever had. Um, yeah. Yeah, I like the camo. I like the, the Indigenous artwork on oh, the gloves. I think it's yeah. just like a, a great combo and, and it – uh, as opposed to previous uniforms, this one is, you can tell it's Australia because of the colours and also like it's not clashing in any way. It's it's just, a, it's a nice combo. I agree. And I, I'm definitely with you on the Indigenous designs, just on the gloves, but like Dean and Tali on the kind of the, the uniform and, and kind of say, and I don't know if this is an AOC decision or it's just a different su- supplier with, is it Carbon Sports? I think of the winter supplier, whereas obviously ASICS is for the summer that why can't we buy the Australian winter uniform? Like I, I, I know I talked, I think, last year about how they released the individual sports for Tokyo and I'm like, do it for the winters. I want my Nordic combined T-shirt and obviously they haven't done that. But I feel, again, winters just get a little bit ripped off that you can't buy one of the team shirts or the team jackets because to me they look 10 times better than what we had in Tokyo. Uh, so, yeah, I, prop out there to the AOC if it's up to you or Carbon Sports, release some merch for the Australian team. Come on. Yeah, definitely. I want, I want a curling shirt. And I feel yeah, like they'd sell out. They'd sell out like that. Oh, with personalized, like on the back, like mm-hmm. you know, or just get a Hewitt or Gill one. You know, who, who needs to get your own name? Um, we should mention with Canon. Now, actually, we haven't actually mentioned with this. What well, we're nearly you know twenty or so minutes into this episode, we haven't even mentioned the elephant in the room: the fact that a certain person isn't with us. We, we, you and I literally are doing this at like two o'clock in the morning, and the guy who's you know decent time for him uh, in Canada, Colin. Uh, Colin actually has COVID. So uh, him and his wife, Jamie, and I don't know if the kids have it, but uh, they've been struck down with COVID, so he hasn't been doing too well. So uh, he said he's going to sit out for a couple of days. Uh, hopefully might be back on the weekend because I don't think he'll want to miss moguls for the world. So um, one of us had to get it eventually, Jared. Uh, I don't know if you've had it, actually. Have you had it? No, you haven't? All right. I have good. not. Okay. Good. I've done four tests this week, and I know I haven't got it yet, so um, definitely not. But uh, we're thinking of you, Colin, you know, because we have to – do all the hard work now that you're not here. Jesus Christ. Um, He's just Canada's- going out in, in solidarity with all the flag bearers who couldn't be there because they were quarantining <laughs> at the time. Nigeria. I'm like, we'll talk about America, but like, this one volunteer from Nigeria is walking out the proudest moment of her life. It's like, I don't know, that's just Jenny from reception. <laughs> just going on, Jenny. Um, just FYI, um, Frank's out sick. He's got COVID. Um, traditional Nigerian names. Um, and it's just, can you carry the flag for Nigeria? She, she, she's going to have that on a wall for the rest of her life, isn't she? She's just an admin. Oh, you know it. Absolutely. Oh, good for Jenny. But, um, yeah, no, Colin's Colin's very big fan of, of Nigeria <laughs> and uh, Team USA when it comes to that. But uh, Canada's flag bearer. So, again, another off-the-podium guest, Charles Hamblin, one of our predictions getting there. And Marie-Philippe Poulon, the captain of Team Canada in the women's ice hockey. Now, you want to talk about competitors. Oh, I can't do it the because, you know, I'm competing the next day. 
She was part of a lazy 12-1 win yesterday, uh, and they're on the ice again tomorrow. But I guess they literally are playing in the city, whereas Brit's obviously, you know, a couple of miles out of the city competing for the moguls. But, um, yeah, look, uh, Canada came out. I'm, I'm just... I'm kind of with Colin Colin, not a big fan of the Lululemon gear. It does look like they're wearing about 20 different layers that are all over the place. And it just, it just looks very basic. And this is, this is very Lululemon, isn't it? It's like, look at our great product. It's a bit of red with that weird logo and a maple leaf. Pay $800 for it. I mean, not my favorite Team Canada uniform, but uh, great that we had Charles uh, out there with uh, Marie-Philippe, who's a, a legend of Canadian ice hockey. Yeah, the uniforms just look uncomfortable. Like you say, too, like way, just way too many layers. And even the scarf was just really bulky. And it was weird and kind of clipped together. Like it wasn't like a real scarf. I don't know what the deal was, but it it was odd. Uh, but Jackie Cooper, she's a fan of Lululemon. That was her favorite uniform of the night. Yeah, no, Jackie was going off for the Lululemon, actually. I'm actually disappointed that you can't buy Team Canada uniforms at Lululemon here in Australia. So uh, that's the thing. I know when I was living in Canada, you just go to the bay and just buy whatever you want to. But um, I'm sure they're, they're selling out like hotcakes over there at Lululemon. Still, go there. I don't know if you've ever seen lineups here, but I just I never got over the fact you'd go to Lululemon in Canada. I was like freaking going to a nightclub. There was a person there with a clipboard and a headpiece letting people in one by one. I was like, Jesus Christ, Lulu fucking lemon. Um, Team USA were another one that were hit with uh, covid um, their bobsledder Elena Mayers Taylor uh, had to withdraw, so she gave it to Brittany Bow. Uh, big speed skating chance there, but I do love the fact that John Schuster, one of their curling gold medalists from Pyeongchang, got the nod. So uh, good uh, curling taking off in the US. Um, a bit disappointed with the Czech Republic. Uh, where was Esther? Uh, sorry, but like, what the fuck? I mean, what did Channel Seven talk about for the entire time Czech Republic came out? Esther. So who does everyone talk about when it comes to Winter Olympics and Czech Republic? Esther, okay? So what the fuck? Czech Republic, you're not going off for a good start there. Uh, Obviously, we didn't have Tonga, sadly, so we didn't have our man Peter out there going there. But we got American Samoa going out there on the the shirtless front, which, can I say, uh, his name is Nathan Crumpton, he's in Skeleton, good-looking rooster, competed in Tokyo as well, but similar to the whole kid thing. Like, it was cool the first time. Cool the second time. Then we came to Tokyo and we had, what, about three different shirtless guys. Like, yeah, I think scrap the shirtless guys. And I say Paris 2024, the French are very open-ended, topless woman. Just free the nipple. That's 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 just being completely progressive. Do it that way. Create the shock value. Boom. Done. But, um... Yeah, were there any other flag bearers or any other notes for you uh, from the, the Parade of Nations that you wanted to mention? I just loved the the amazing, like, uniform talk that the, we got on this tangent of, of what's your what's your favourite uniform and there were big fans of um, Iran for some reason, which I didn't quite understand. It was pretty basic to me. Um, but personally, I think East Timor was up there with the feathers mm-hmm. uh, and then, like, Mongolia was just on point. It was classy. It looked good. It was cultural. It was like that to me was like the outfit of the night. I have to say I was disappointed. I I know New Zealand is just traditionally a black uniform. It doesn't really differ. 
But what made New Zealand for me, they had the traditional Maori sort of uniforms and the flag, which I think they had in Tokyo from memory. So they, they, they were pretty good. The Mexicans, I like the Mexican outfit. The Germans at first, I'm like, a mm, bit basic. But the more I looked, I'm like, okay, don't mind this kind of black with this yellow sort of thing that you've got going on there. The one that I saw a lot of people complaining about on social media, which I actually was a fan of, was the Italian poncho. I didn't mind the Italian poncho. I mean, I think the Italian and the French had very similar designs because they just wore their flags on them. But... I don't know, there's something about the Italians in the Olympics that they just kind of, they, they pop. I mean, did you like the Italian poncho? Uh, it wasn't my favourite, but I like points, like it was something different. So like mm. it stood out, which I feel like is is what you want. Like you say, it was their colours because it was just literally the flag. <laughs> um, and, and I mean the high neck piece. So they didn't even need scarves, they're just high collar. Yep. Just It just went with it. China, actually, I like that kind of real striking, like bright red sort of mixed with some of them wearing white in there as well. So that looked really, really cool. I also loved the, um, obviously, the the placard things that form the snowflake at the end, but I love it like each one walking out. It was just, they were kind of like boxing ring girls holding the signs up. And the poor the poor women had to hold that, I think, the whole lap around the bird's nest. And I don't know if they stood there. Like, I have no idea. But, I mean, it was it was very like a rigid like, you know, at least give them a stick with it, right? And you could probably remove the snowflake from the stick. Like, I, I, were they going to the gym every week working on those arms for a while? Yeah. There's, like, lots of moments throughout the ceremony where there have, must have been, like, very strict instructions because the equivalent of, of the holding the snowflake was the um, the men with the flags during the speeches having to smile the whole way through. And I was <laughs> like, this speech has gone on for 10 minutes. This guy's mouth muscles must just be, like, shot at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually going to message you when Thomas Bach, Olympic champion fencing, started talking and saying, like, Jared, we might as well just start the uh, episode now and do it now. Yeah. Um, by the time we finished, uh, he'll still be speaking. Um, it, I, I mean, I would have loved to have known what the uh, the, the Chinese uh, guy was talking about. Um, didn't get any word on what he was saying. Do also like how Xi Jinping just didn't leave his seat until he just probably said the words like, Beijing, even Putin, I think, stood in the middle of uh, Sochi, didn't he? Like, I mean, even freaking Putin did. What? Are you, what's wrong with you, Xi Jinping? Like, get up and get to the middle of the state. I'm sure even Trump would have done it had America had the Olympics at some point. You know, like, god damn. I tell you one thing: if Biden's still in power come 2028, that guy's going to be pretty old. He'll be out in a wheelchair, probably in a Zimmer frame, but he'll still fucking do it. He'll, he'll forget where he is halfway through. Yeah. But you know, do you think? Do you think Scomo will still be? charge in 10 years time <laughs> i mean you know what with scomo nothing surprised me at this point so he, he well could be um but as long as he doesn't phone that in like he phones in so many other things in life um it, you know i expect him to be standing for the entire ceremony i, I expect him to probably be uh, calling in from hawaii on zoom while uh, the australian true. The Australian of the Year stands next to him, not mm-hmm. smiling. <laughs> Either that <laughs> or an in, investigating his uh, his heritage over in, in Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> um, one more thing I wanted to add on the opening ceremony. Is it wrong that my favourite part of the opening ceremony were the kids falling over <laughs> in the montage? <laughs> like, that was hilarious. It was cute. It was really cute. But it was I just I just love the fact that you literally had a good two minutes of little kids face planting in the snow. <laughs> no, I think that that was up there for me as a highlight as well. And it was we haven't had that before. It was unpredictable. No. So but yes. it's been done now. I don't need to see kids falling over in Paris as much as it brings me like uh, um, enjoyment. I don't need to sit again. It's been done. Move on. You, you but although if know- you are going to have some kids segment, that's and you're going to repeat it, do that. Scrap the choir, yeah. 
Scrap the individual child running around. Uh, if you're going to have to repeat something with kids and you want to put kids in your opening ceremony, that's the way to do it. You, you, you do realise if it, when it's in Paris, they'll be running away, not falling over. So um, also interesting that the, the Chinese decided to go like, hey, we're so open to the West. Let's play all this famous Western classical music, um, which really seemed very Chinese to me. I mean, I, I, I've never been. I, I can't say I, I, I know China for playing Western classical music. But did that make you feel part of like this unity thing, Jared, hearing all these classic European classical tunes? Like where was like a classical version of Land Down Under or You're the Voice? That would have made me feel a bit more included. You know what? It didn't make me feel included and it, it bugged me because I feel like they're stealing Rock's Thunder with Tchaikovsky as the, as the national anthem and now it's just classical music everywhere. Like that's not going to stand out at all when that's played. Um, to, yeah, to me this was an odd decision and another letdown because like it's during the Parade of Nations, there's not a whole lot of chance during that segment to show, show off like your culture, but you've got like the music playing the whole way through. Like that was your way to do it and they just were like no we're not going to do that we're just going to play this boring like we're not boring it was actually okay the classical music throughout um but yeah it just wasn't was an odd choice when i'm like here's your chance like play some music that we haven't heard before it's still no tiesto doing a dj set like he did in athens i mean that Mm -hmm. i've got that album i've literally got the parade of nations album that he released it's epic um, you know, I want Tiesto back for Brisbane. I don't know, he'll probably be dead by then. He's kind of like getting on a bit. But uh, I don't know who's like a classic Australian. Bring back DJ Havana. I don't know if she's still around or Rogue Traders. Um, I'm sure Sneaky Sound System, they're not doing much. Pot Bellies. Uh, <laughs> I mean, bring back all the classic, you know, late noughties uh, Australian dance acts that were famous for five minutes. I mean, they're probably in Eurovision. By the, I mean, I looked at who's competing for us in Eurovision. Jesus Christ. They run out of. There's a TikTok artist competing for us at this Australia Decides. Jared, what the hell's going on? You and I will be up next year, I think. Yeah, they, you're right. They should have the pot bellies and the rogue traders. They would have been better options for Australia Decides. Jeez, jeez. Um, Colin did message us to say that uh, his thoughts on the opening ceremony. He said, overall, it's still the best in Sochi and maybe even London. Nowhere near as good as 2008, obviously. Um, I would agree with that. Like, I, I still am torn whether this was better than Rio or not. And I wasn't a fan of Rio. So, but I still feel Rio at least had a bit more cultural stuff. And it was, you know, like, again, I feel you're not going to remember this. Into, when we're talking in Milan, like, just like we are with Pyeongchang, it's like, well, what happened in the Beijing one again? Like, kids falling over and the green light thing. Um, so, yeah, maybe we just we just give up on opening ceremonies, right? I mean, hopefully we'll do we'll do one for Birmingham again this year. So hopefully, you know, I think the last good opening ceremony I saw was Gold Coast twenty eighteen. So, you know, uh, bring bring on Birmingham if their fucking handover video was anything to go by. It's gonna be shit. Um, before we get to some of the results and look ahead to the day, and Colin's got some other comments and some other segments, I, I apologise. I, I should have opened up with what we're doing sort of newish for these games, and that's having a, each day we're celebrating a former athlete, uh, an Australian athlete, and I put this to Colin too, that he can bring one up every single day. He hasn't sent me one, so Colin, you, oh, I've got COVID, I can't do my homework. Um, day zero is uh, officially now known as Vic Eckberg Day. Now, uh, for those who are going, oh, Vic, favourite ever Aussie Olympian. He uh, competed in 1960 in Squaw Valley. He was a member of Australia's only ever ice hockey team that uh, 
didn't do exactly brilliantly uh, in Squaw Valley. But hey, like if this, can you imagine come Milan if we qualify ice hockey to see how curling has taken off? Um, it would go off. Uh, but Vic actually was Australia's first ever Winter Olympic flag bearer. We didn't have a flag bearer at the Winter Olympics until 1960. So there you go. So we are celebrating Vic Ekberg Day, the very first ever Australian flag bearer. Uh, I mean, you're a you're a mad Vic Ekberg fan, Jared. So when you saw this, you you were just you were stoked. Yeah, finally getting the recognition he deserves. Absolutely, absolutely, and uh, I should say that we are, we are doing this as a bit of a, a tribute, 20-year tribute to uh, the great Ice Dream, Roy and HG, of course, uh, and every day during their coverage they would uh, dedicate a day. I remember Cedric Sloan Day was their uh, day where they had the, uh, the cross-country skiing pole through the seagull and they would put that pin to every single guest they have on there. So sadly we don't have a Vic Ekberg pin that we can give to any guest that can uh, appear on this show uh, throughout that. Uh, now, obviously, we do generally every day, we do a what did you watch type segment. Uh, we've had a couple of days worth of uh, competition here, Jared, so we haven't had a whole lot of choice. But can, can we just talk a bit about curling? Because Australia has gone curling crazy. And this isn't even joking. Seriously, Australia is hooked. And can I just say about bloody time? Because I think we've been selling curling, and it's not just us. I mean, most of the world. We've got a Canadian on this show. I mean, he knows exactly how good curling is. But how have you been enjoying it? Have you been watching every single match and uh, on the on the edge of your seat watching Dean and Tali out there just uh, lose every single match on the last throw? Yeah, actually, I saw three out of the five. Um, and, oh, heartbreaking, you know. That's just... Oh, I love them so much because I love curling and them being our first curlers. It's just like a special spot in the heart and seeing them like lose match after match. I mean, forget about the match against the Czech Republic, but losing the others just like one point each time. And I feel they've like in nearly all their matches too, they get down like an, an early deficit and it looks like, oh, they're down now. And they like don't give up and somehow they're able to like pull it back and then it just always gets down to that last end. And then it's like, no, like not again, like one point. Um, but they're just, I don't know, they're legends. And it's just, it's, it's amazing that they're the first, but it's also just so weird because this has got to be the easiest sport <laughs> for a country like Australia to like get people involved in and behind for the Winter Olympics. And the fact that it's taken so long and, and we've got like these, this almost like entrenched history in like sports, like aerials and like these crazy things that, that you think would like need snow and, and slopes and, and reliable snowfall. Uh, and then curling, which you can just do like on a rink um, is something that just, we haven't got behind before, but I'm so glad that it's finally happening. And I, they're, they're due a win. The fact that they've done so well against like these powerhouse teams, like against Sweden and the Brits, it's just, it's just amazing, but they're just, they're just due a win. And I feel like once they get the win, then, um, then they might start to get some momentum. Which you got to look at it in the fact that, so close in obviously four out of the five games, literally losing them by one point. To compare it, look at Italy, the other uh, one of the other countries making their mix double, and they're, they're ranked one spot ahead of us in the world, so they're, they're very on par. They're, un, they're the only undefeated side, Italy, and that very much nearly could be. I mean, we could be four and one based on it. You know, obviously the Czech game, we weren't really in it, but it just it just so close either way. And and the last game that we had against Britain, reigning world champion. Sorry, let me rephrase that. Scotland, uh, they are the reigning world champions and we took them to an extra end 
Um, I mean, the USA one, I think, was the most unlucky. We we were we had that in the bag, and then um, the last slot, the last shot um, by uh, Vicky Persinger was uh, pretty incredible for her to take that win. So, um, whereas the other ones, I think, we're always fighting back to get into it. But like the thing that's so great about them, and I know we sort of discovered a lot of that when we had them on the show last year, is they're just so damn like personable and down like and even when they're like you could never tell they're they're you know winless zero and five and they're making jokes in the middle of it and just they're so calm and even when like dean will like oh i'm sorry like he'll apologize and then like even tarly just like it's just it's so fascinating to watch and one thing that i actually really appreciate about seeing their family members and i'll talk about uh dean's dad in a sec but it's like the Summer Olympics, it's almost like the families are almost trained to be around the media. So they're all like, you know, Steve Titmus used to be a newsreader. So he's, he's very savvy. He knows what he's doing. Whereas like so many of our winter uh, families are just, they're so loose. They're just so just like Australian. Like it's just, it's just fun to watch them. Um, but it's crazy. Have you, have you seen much, I guess, even maybe with your friends and family or sort of people there in sydney about like how much people are really getting into like curling is this is this a talk of the lubeek household or the lubeek friendship circle yeah everybody it's mostly like everybody at work i think is just excited for the olympics to be back and then the fact that i think it really helps too that the curling is on is on earlier before we get like this influx of all events it's been kind of really the only thing going um so that's why everybody's watching and like we were joking today of like next next like team work outing like is team building experiences we've just got to set up a curling rink in in penrith take over the ice rink and and put down the dots and, and set up the lanes and, and just go for it which it's i mean obviously the push is to get this de- dedicated curling rink uh we obviously uh, definitely be called like the gill and hewitt curling rink or something along those lines um but yeah i People don't realize uh, or have have seen that I am working for Channel Seven. I've sold out. I'm 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 working uh, as a researcher for them during these Olympics. Hence why I'm in Melbourne. And what's really great about that experience is obviously I'm on the same site as the commentators. So therefore, I've had the the honor to chat with uh, Stephen Hewitt, Dean's dad, several times. Great conversations. And and the best one I had with him was I literally was coming out of a studio for a rehearsal. And as I was walking out of the studio, he was leaving the commentary box. Like this was straight after the loss to, I think it was a Sweden game from memory. Um, And no, it was a China game actually. And like straight away, you're just getting that reaction. Like, oh my God, like, how are you feeling? And like, he's kind of a bit like Dean. He's just kind of like, you know, you can tell he's a bit disappointed. He's kind of like, oh yeah, no, like this. And oh, and he's even literally saying like, well, it could have done this and you know, this. And one of the real fascinating things he said to me was that he, if you watch, he could tell that they weren't going to do too well at the end because of the way they were gripping the stone. And that basically the way I think he said that he had taught them is that it's like a toothpaste. It's like a, a tub of toothpaste. You hold it gently so you don't let the toothpaste come out of it, but you can see them gripping it tighter so therefore that is, you know, costing them a little bit. So it's just, it's, it's fascinating and it's so um, amazing to be able to do that. And just where we're recording, uh, where sort of the studios are based is right down near where the ice house is here in Melbourne. Um, so they're having watch parties there and they're just like curling is going off. And they actually have at the ice house on a Monday night, a come and try curling night. Uh, and I believe that uh, myself and some people from 
where I'm working right now are going to be going along to give it a try because everyone is hooked. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's fun kind of being there to watch the reaction of people watching curling. It's, it's amazing. So if I end up going on Monday night and we record that night, I will tell you uh, how wrong we all are and that my dream of when I said I wanted to grow up to be the first curler ever, Australian curler, that I would have been well off because I've heard how much Dean is panting in those freaking ends and I kind of think I would be screwed. So uh, do they have a come and try? Like do they do curling there at the, the rink in Penrith? I don't think so. I feel like hockey is more like their go-to sport. Um, but I feel like surely now, if they're not getting it behind it, they should because there's there's money in it. But um, Oh, yeah. Yeah, just I think go for it. It seemed like the most, like I said before, it's just such an accessible sport. And I'm sure there's more to it when you when you get out there uh, and it's a lot more complicated than it, than it looks on the TV. They make it look easy. But it's, it's like... If you can, you know, if you can push a stone, like at least like you can have a try at it. If you can sweep, you can have a try at it. It's not one of these extreme sports where you're probably not going to uh, break something if, if you give it a go without knowing what you're doing. Um, so, yeah, I think there's going to be a huge surge in support and hopefully we do get um, some dedicated venues for it. Well, as on just what you're saying, somebody said to me yesterday that it's basically the only Winter Olympic sport where you cannot kill yourself. Um, so, um, I mean, you probably could if you put one of them on your head. But um, just, I mean, on that, obviously, yeah, Australia, 0-5, and five, the only team without a win. So we're obviously last in the standings and pretty much all but out. Oh, we've got four games left. And, I mean, one positive thing is there's been a lot of, you know, back and forth between some of the teams. So, for example, we're technically only two wins off being in contention. So if results went our way and we won the last four, it could be. Italy undefeated, um, Britain uh, world champs a second on three and one. Canada uh, lost their first game, but now three and one themselves. Uh, so that's good there. Sweden sitting in fourth, and China in fifth. Sort of an unknown team going into this. So uh, obviously the top three go through automatically to the semis, and then fourth and fifth play each other for that final spot in the semis as well. So Norway, Switzerland, um, silver and bronze uh, from. Pyeongchang, Switzerland with the silver, Norway with the bronze. They're currently sitting second last and third last. So uh, interesting going on there. But as you said, it's great that this is kind of there. It'll be done over and done within a couple of days. But I think this is the best form to get the exposure because, as you said, it's kind of all we've really got to watch at the moment, obviously. Uh, other big ones for Australia and Canada, I shouldn't just single this out because, obviously, uh, we have in both the men's and women's moguls uh, number one in both an Australian and a Canadian in the women's, uh, Jakara Anthony, shattered in uh, 83.75, a score that's even better than Mikhail Kingsbury, and we'll talk about him in a second. So he goes, uh, she goes straight through to the final, as does four-time Olympian, robbed of flag bearer and two-time off the podium guest, Britt Cox. She's through to the final, which uh, we're obviously very, very happy about. Uh, Sophie Ash, 13th currently, uh, should make it through to the final based on that score. And then Taylor O'Neill didn't finish and doesn't look like she'll compete uh, in the qualifying two because she uh, has re-injured her knee, so it looks very unlikely. Um, what are your thoughts on this one, Jared? I mean, is this a, a good omen for Jakara or do you think she's peaking too soon? <sighs> I feel like it's hard to say. Um, but it was just so... Impressive. Although to me, like the worrying thing is, I'm like, I know each course is different, but the score that she got, 
like she could have won the gold like at the last Olympics. It was just so far. Like, she would have got silver in the men's. She would have got yeah. silver in the men's competition. That's how good her score was. Um, but I'm hopeful. I think it's a good sign to just be like, if it was me, I wouldn't want to be finishing first because you're on extra pressure. But I think you just be relieved. Like if you're straight through to the final, you don't have to do that extra run and, and worry about it. Um, it's good. It's just these Olympic sports. I always forget how high stakes some of them are. We're just like, it's just one attempt. Like at least I suppose in this, you've got the other attempt for the people who didn't qualify. But then after that, it's just cutting down each round. It's like, yeah, if you had this in, imagine if you had this in summer, the long jumpers yeah. get one jump. That's it. Yeah. High jumpers, yeah. you knock off the bar, you're out. Crazy. It's we, just, we, it's crazy. We see that in some of the events we're seeing that with um, alpine skiing, like downhill literally is one run this time around. There's no one, two or three in it. It's literally that's one run. That's it. You're done. I mean, hundred meters, imagine that. No, no, fine. No heats. Boom. Just the fastest time is the winner. Um, reigning champion Prin Lafont is uh, through. She was in second, and Colin very, very happy because one of his uh, dream girls, uh, Justine de Ferlepointe, gold medalist for twenty fourteen, reigning silver medalist. She is through in tenth. She just knocked out a sister, Chloe de Ferlepointe. Uh, but uh, you would again think with that score that she would go through. Uh, another Canadian, Sofiane Gagnon, Gagnon, fourteenth, uh, just behind Soph Ash. So uh, again, you would assume she's through. So qualifying two and the finals are on Sunday in the men's. I mean, no surprise who's number one, the esteemed Mr. Mikhail Kingsbury, defending champion, basically the goat of moguls. Um, again, made it look effortless. Um, and I do like he's ahead of Walter Wahlberg, Wally Wahlberg uh, from Sweet, such a Swedish name. Um, so good for him. And from the Australian perspective, uh, Brody Summers narrowly missing out on automatic qualification, 11th. Uh, Cooper Woods in 14th. James Matheson, not the former host of Australian Idol, uh, the mogul skier, 20th. And our great white hope, Mr. Matt Graham, silver medalist from Pyeongchang, did not finish, but uh, we'll have an opportunity. I mean, he's coming in with a pretty nasty injury that he only got about like 10 weeks ago or so. So just for him to be there is pretty awesome. But uh Thoughts on on the men's? I mean, Macau. This is where this is the one part I actually um, miss Colin because I mean he would be pumping Macau's tires up because you know he loves him to almost as loves as he loves the Deferla Point sisters. But uh, any thoughts on the men's moguls, which obviously will be probably on air tomorrow night, uh, possibly calling that one. Yeah, I mean it was just it was an impressive qualifying run from Mikhail. Uh, I feel for him like it's. Like with Jakara, I, to- I to- toss it up. Like, oh, is it good for her to qualify first? I feel like for Mikhail, like he's used to it. Like that's where he'd want to be throwing it down early. Um, and then as for the Aussies, I just, I, feel, I don't know. I just have a hope that they'll get through. I think um, like we say, like it's it's going to be a tough one. Um, but I reckon we can sneak through. I think the thing that I'll say about which, you know, obviously talking up a lot of our metal prospects is, I mean, Matt Graham's name is getting mentioned but I think people are being a bit more realistic on him um, just based on the injury, which I think is fair. Um, but, I mean, gosh, if he if he makes a final, I think that's a victory in itself. I mean, I don't know if you saw some of the images of kind of everything that he had going on, but, um, yeah, it's kind of pretty spectacular that he's managed to uh, even get back into this place. But, uh, yeah, we, we'll probably be on air tomorrow night recording when it's on, and similar to what we did back in uh, Pyeongchang might be uh, – 
Obviously, commentary maybe being a little bit more limited these games uh, might be one of the ones we do. The only other one really we've got sort of uh, results from a lot of training runs happening. Alex Palazzo was out there on the lose track today. Uh, some of our uh, female ski jumpers from Canada are out there on the training tracks as well today. But we had the team event in the figure skating start today uh, and sadly none of our guests on off the podium have made their respective teams so eric radford or jason brown not on either team canada or team usa but uh team usa are currently leading that one after we had the men's short program uh, and the ice dance and pairs short program uh, they are head of rock and china so uh, USA, Rock and China, one, two, three, Canada in sixth. Uh, the Ukraine and Germany have both been eliminated and Australia DNQ. So uh, we are not in that event. Uh, did you see any of the, the figure skating? Did you see the uh, the esteemed Nathan Chen shit it in there and kind of just uh, put a marker down on, on why he can win probably a couple of gold at these Olympics? I did. It was impressive. I feel like... Um... Uh, there were some dodgy costumes in there, which I didn't appreciate. Um, <laughs> give, give us some examples. Come on, Joe. What, what, what were your least favorite uh, ones? Did, did you see? Like, I can't, I can't figure out if I hate it or love it. But um, and now I don't remember what, what country it was. But one of like the the pairs that the ice dance did like a routine where like one of them was dressed as the Joker and the other one was Harlequin. Oh, I didn't see that. Uh, I was like, what is what is going on here? Uh, I did appreciate that uh, one of the teams danced to um uh switzerland's song from eurovision last year really so that was extra wow. points for that um but overall it was just it was just fun i love the commentators too for just for this event just because they're so like they're so posh and i don't know if it's the same lady who does the gymnastics but i just always lump her in with the lady who does the gymnastics I and the lady who does is. the equestrian and they're probably all different but i don't know no, but I think that I think the gymnastics. I, like I can confirm that I have I have power to do that. I'll I'll check for you, Jared. I'll come back to you on that one. But um, I think it is. I don't know about the equestrian, but I, I know what you're saying there. I mean, that would be skilled if it was. Like, oh hello, look at the dressage. No, look at the the quadruple double twist on the beam. It's and just the same vibe throughout. Triple lux. Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, I only saw a few of the men's short program, um, but the one thing I loved is the kiss and cry. Obviously, incorporates because it's the team, right? Very Eurovision. The uh, the kiss and cry with the way they had the flags and everything. It's kind of a little boost when they go on there, like you know, twelve point Sweden, like eh, cheer, like so. I don't. Do you, does that like get you pumped up more for Eurovision when you kind of see that kiss and cry? Yeah, I think anything that's a reference to Eurovision is just is just amazing. The fact that we got it in the music and then the the kiss and cry zone. Um, I do love that some teams are a lot better at doing their little dance while they're waiting for the results than others. Uh, the Italian team were particularly bad and out of sync, uh, waiting in that zone for their scores. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a nice feature to have the whole team there rather than just, just the, uh, just the skater and the coach. I might, I might have another Eurovision reference coming up for you in, in just a moment. Um, other segments, uh, before we look ahead, um, this is going to be a fun one during the Olympics. Uh, commentary fails. Um, let's uh, leave with Colin first because uh, Colin sent us a couple of gems from the CBC coverage uh, watching it. Um, so 
he said, the first one he said, for the first time ever, I wish I were hearing your commentary over CBC. It's just been constant political commentary and any excuse to take a shot at China. They've even apologized for a picture of the PM, I'm assuming that's Justin Trudeau, and assured the audience this was not the choice of the broadcaster. Okay, fair enough. Uh, another one here where apparently there was a line of commentary which said, hey, Trinidad and Tobago, my dad's from there. I've been there once. Beautiful place, beautiful people. Uh, I almost died there, almost drowned. But that's a story for another time. I really hope another time comes soon because I want to know what happened there. Um, and then the same guy apparently said uh, of Switzerland very recently hosted the games in St. Moritz in 1948, only to quickly correct himself and say, ha I guess that was more than half a century ago. Um, now, look, I, I, I just want to say I saw no, no fails tonight. Channel 7 were brilliant. How amazing Matt and Alistair and Jackie were just fantastic. Uh, I, I I don't know. I don't have the facts to back this up, but I think Alistair could be the very first Tasmanian to ever call an Olympic opening ceremony. So congratulations, Alistair. But oh, Channel Seven on point, perfect. What a what a network, Jared. Just so good. Yeah, no flaws. Everything factually correct and accurate. Um, great focus on the on the national uniforms, like I've already said. I did appreciate getting everybody's thought on, on what was their favourite. Such an important talking point. Um, didn't didn't miss too many flag bearers, which is always a positive. Got most of them. Uh, I did appreciate the uh, uh, when Sweden came in and there was a comment of Sweden, long pause, they're no slouch. And that's all that was said. <laughs> Um, which is great. I'm, I'm glad that we're that we're talking about Sweden, given given they got us in the curling. Um, I mean, I know it was just a it was just an interesting one. It's a fun one. I do really want to see in the future. I think Colin mentioned that their broadcasters do it, but they just need like uh, like a title or like a placard over the top to just for each country. Just literally says like who the flag bearers are, what's their sport. Yeah. Uh, include whatever else you want to include on it, like the main facts when they debuted at the Olympics, whatever. Um, I just feel like if it's there, then there's no like, yes, we want to hear like the commentators say it, but then if they miss it, like it's it's no issue. One thing I'll say that I've learned from my esteemed career working there is that it is actually really interesting to see obviously the extent that goes into providing facts to the callers. And I mean, that's literally my job right now is to provide facts. And uh, it's 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 a blast. It's really fun finding it. And I've already had a few moments where I found something and then that's then passed on. I'm, I'm working with Joanna Grieg. So if you're tuning into the day coverage, you will, you will see it. I've literally passed on like a stat or a fact and it's kind of cool when like she will use that. Like it's, I mean, it's literally my job to do that so that she can have that. But then you're kind of like, okay, well, I'm, I'm glad I found that cool little fact. So it's, it is interesting to, to see it in person. So, um, but yeah, this is going to be fun over the next week. Jared, I, like, I will say this right now. If you find things, like like you can, you can like I, I will not be commenting on it. <laughs> I want to have this job in two weeks, okay? Um, but you go to town because um, as far as I know, you don't work for Channel 7, do you? I, I mean, maybe you do. I don't not know. currently. Not as, not not as far as I'm aware, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, based on the history in this show, it doesn't matter what you say about the network, you get a job there. So, I mean, it's... it's um, it, it, it kind of works. Um, now, I don't know if you were aware that we were going to be doing this today because we did do this back on day zero back in Tokyo. So I don't know if you've got one prepared. I'm kind of springing this on you. 
But it's time for Athlete of the Day, which of course is now Daily Dale, the uh, esteemed Dale Begg-Smith, the legendary Dale Begg-Smith. Uh, we're naming this after him on his honour, 2006 Moguls men's gold medalist and silver medalist in Vancouver. Um, my nominee, and look, this I'm going to be honest, this is a bit shallow. This is not something I like to do really doing this based on the looks of a person, but I, I'm doing this based on the looks of the person. I was I, I was hooked to uh, watching something today, Jared, where I just I could not stop staring at the beauty of one person. I, I honestly was just staring and going, this is one of the most beautiful people I've ever met. And I thought, well, they probably could even be literally at Eurovision based on uh, on how things are going. Um, and also, I think that uh, they could be in movies. And it wasn't just me saying this. There were many people around me saying how uh, very attractive this person was. Uh, I'm putting up the uh, Swedish curler of Oscar Ericsson. That man is gorgeous. Uh, Bond, uh, Superman. Um, I mean, seriously, uh, I, I don't swing that way generally, but I might for Oscar Ericsson. So hate to be the shallow person on the show. He's a pretty good curler as well. Uh, but <laughs> that's, Colin's listening to this right now, throwing chairs already. He's like, oh, my God, they've started. They've started. But uh, did you have a, a, a nominee, Jared? I didn't, but I can second everything you said about Oscar because the same conversations were had uh, in our household. Um, just actually, just you know, the Swedish curling team in general, just, oh. you know, picture perfect. Um, outside of them, I I feel like the only option is, and I don't know his name, but the uh, the Nigerian flag bearer who uh, <laughs> is isolating in his hotel room because he's got COVID, I feel deserves a shout out. Oh, you know, Colin would hate that. That's like French boxer territory there going on. Like, I think he'd appreciate the sexy Swedish curler over us doing it to a guy that didn't even show up. Um, I mean, I legitimately wanted to nominate Dean entirely, but I, I can hear Colin screaming at us right now. Like, God damn it. Oh, you should be putting up John Morris. He's a two-time gold medalist. He's I'm going to sit here for 10 minutes and say, John Morris, John Morris, John Morris. Um, you can't be no. mad. We haven't nominated any Australians. <laughs> exactly, Colin. It's day zero and we haven't nominated a single Australian. All right, we, we've gone the perv route and we've put up. What am I, what am I going to write on social media? Oscar Erickson is today's uh, daily day winner. Impressive, impressive game beating Australia by one, beating renowned curlers from Australia. World heavyweights <laughs> by one point. <laughs> Without Oscar Erickson's skillful sweeping, mm-hmm. uh, they would have been staring down the barrel of defeat. Didn't uh, he look like he was struggling when he was sweeping? No. I no mean, noise Dean, at all. Yeah. Dean's panting, whereas he's halfway down the rink going, Waterloo. To be fair, I feel like they didn't have to sweep as much either. So maybe no, the, the well, weight on their shots was a bit better as well. The 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 um, Almeida Deval, uh, the, the female half of the mix curling, I had to look her age up. I thought she was 12. Uh, she's 24. Um, like, okay. Good to, I just want to say, uh, while we're just on the, the subject of looks, uh, Amos Mossina, the Italian, I think he's in the wrong spot. He should be playing rugby. That guy is built. He is, he is a tank of a man. Um, so, yeah. And John Morris, I believe, is 43. Looking good for your age, John. So, can I just say that? Doing well. But, all right. Congratulations uh, to Oscar Erickson, the the inaugural recipient of the Daily Dale. And as we said the other day, 
more esteem than winning an Olympic medal. And I mean, the Swedes on track, they're, they're in fourth. They could potentially come away with the medal. So maybe we get Oscar on the show and stare at his beautiful chiseled face and be like, Ooh, geez, would you want the Daily Dale or your Olympic medal? I mean, don't know. What would you rather, Jared? I feel like the Daily Dale. Um, I kind of feel like it's a bit more achievable too, given the, yeah. um, the, the requirements, they're all over the shop. Yeah. You know, exactly. you don't have to win the event. Could just be in it and be good looking, you know? And uh, look, I'll say this for one thing. There are 15 winter Olympic sports over 17 days that we'll be doing this. And a, obviously the athlete, I reckon we can push for an athlete from every single sport to, to please, to please Colin. Mm-hmm. Um, and, Australia's in 10 sports, so we know that at least, um, you know, seven of them won't go to Australians. So, look, there you go, Colin. <laughs> the I feel seven. like this is just preemptive too. I mean, Sweden could win the curling. It's a possibility. Exactly. It's ahead exactly. of the curve. Exactly. And based on our track record, the Day Zero Athlete of the Day will become a guest on this show. When we had Ezra as Day Zero, she came on the show. So now maybe we'll get a translator for, for, for Oscar going along with that. You know, I, I, I don't know. We'll wait and see. Um, one quick thing before we look ahead to uh day one obviously we didn't really get a chance to do much in tokyo when it came to things like fan messages we can't submit things well we can but it's different don't know if you've seen on uh olympics.com.au they do have a fan messages wall but um i think unlike past ones these are monitored um one big one that we've had we've had a few sort of jess foxes come out a few of the summer olympians have come out and celebrated but Freaking Hugh Jackman has come out and uh, sent a video of uh, good luck to our... I don't even know if he did that for the summer games. So, uh, good on you, Hugh Jackman. And come on, Ryan Reynolds. Where's your Team Canada cheering on one? There you go. Australia's got one up on Canada. But have you been paying much attention to these? Because uh, it's hashtag chasing winter and you can, of course, also just submit it online. Yeah, and But this time around, you can actually send videos and photos and everything along those lines. So, have you have you been paying attention to these? I've caught a bit of them. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm loving the uh, the summer athletes uh, doing their version of the winter sports in, in kind of their front yards and cul-de-sacs. Jess Fox doing um, biathlon. <laughs> yeah, it, that to me is the highlight so far. Um, but I do, oh, I'll always miss the old fan messages, uh, yeah. especially winter because I feel like that's where we got them through and my message to Cam Bolton about borrowing the segue in Latvia. Um <laughs> It's just, it's like, a, it's a highlight of my life, really. Um, and I just and love that it. it was approved. <laughs> Cam still talks about that to this day. He's like, oh, that one fan. You can pass on me. that fact. <laughs> According to a fan message, <laughs> it must be I, true if it's a fan message. <laughs> I, I got to say some of the ones I'm looking at here. So um, just the pictures. And again, there's no context to these. I've got a picture here of a, a an elderly woman in a leopard print. <laughs> shirt <laughs> holding up a glass of wine <laughs> doris is loving the curling um good for you doris um there's a picture of just brendan Kerry standing there cheering himself on i guess like he's like hashtag chasing winner go brendan Kerry. <laughs> like big fan um actually there's a there's a picture of a, a bunch of curlers at the ice house with a big go aussies scarf that's pretty cool um, there's a dog in an Australia scarf and a hat. Okay. Um, but there's actually some written ones here and look, these are kind of just what you expect. There's no, there's no like, hi Kalani. Remember me? I met you in a Walmart that time. Um, 
So uh, Felix Woolmer says, Hi, Tess. I'm guessing Tess Cody. I'm very excited. Good luck in the Olympics, and I hope you do well. I am very proud that your cousin, that you're my cousin because you teach me that I should never give up and want to be like you because you're my hero. Lots of love, Felix. Go, Tess. Lots of love from Ben and Beck too. Granny so proud of you, Tessie. XX addressed to Tess Cody Snowboard. Thanks for clearing that up at the end. Um, oh, there's somebody's done a drawing here of Bing Dwendwen. And they've even included, it looks like, is that the mascot from Vancouver? And Pyeongchang. They've included like Surong and Boorang here. Like they've, they've included, and the Sochi Bear. Jesus, this kid loves their mascots. Good for them. Did you appreciate the uh, neon inflatable Bing Dwendwens during the opening ceremony? I thought they were pretty cool. I did. And I appreciated the, um, a couple of the figure skaters had them um, mm. when they're waiting in the team zone, which was, which was good. As they should. More Bing Dwendwen. I do love it. There's this. I love how people are literally sending in photos of just, it's like, it's just a picture of them. Like we've had Doris. We've just got here Karen. She looks like a Karen. She's just sitting there in a nice little blue blouse with a necklace and a, her eye watch or whatever it is. Is uh, just, she's just smiling at the camera. There's no like message saying like, go Dean and Talia or anything. It's just, hey, I'm Karen. I'm out at the RSL having a good drink and um, having fun. <laughs> so... <laughs> Either the AOC are running out of fan messages or someone's using the Chasing Winter hashtag wrong. Um, so, can I just say, I've used Chasing Winter plenty of times on our posts on social media. Why aren't they? Where's our free promotion off the podium? Just, uh, you know, this this is, thanks AOC, like, for just ignoring us. We're giving you a lot of freaking publicity. God damn it. Um, tomorrow, first day of competition, six medals will be decided uh, and plenty of Australians in action uh when it comes to the medals being decided tomorrow we of course have uh the biathlon the mixed relay the cross-country skiing the women's skiathlon which will be the first one that will be decided tomorrow afternoon the short track speed skating the very first mixed relay in that we have the ski jumping, our uh, Canadian girls will be in action there, the women's normal hill individual, and the speed skating women's 3,000 metres. Irene Wurst is in that one. We're excited to see her out there. Uh, just on those medal ones, and I'll touch on the Aussies and Canadians in just a second and the other events as well, what are you, what are you pumped for? Uh, I mean, biathlon and cross-country, come on, tick, tick them off your bucket list right there because they're, they're, they're the ones to get on board tomorrow. I'm just saying that. It's true. Um, also pumped, you know, we've talked about it already, but the Moguls is going to be a highlight. Um, although I feel like more so on the Sunday. But, um, yeah, just – and, I mean, you can't go past the short track speed skating either. It's just such a good event. Hoping for uh, some, some, some thrills and spills because that's what I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, and I think when it comes to that, obviously um, – you know, it's a new event. It's mixed relay. We know Colin will complain about it, um, but yeah, I've, I've, I have very fond memories of relays. Obviously, after Lillehammer, all Australians do. Even though I think we all remember just Bradbury winning gold twenty years ago, but uh, obviously more history. And now the short track is great. It is really fantastic to watch. Um, but also ski jumping. I mean, you and I. Do you remember getting hooked with me back in um, back in uh, Pyeongchang? We, we were up late watching that and uh, yeah, I'm very, I, I actually really do love the ski jumping. I think I've got much more of appreciation now that we've had plenty of the guests on the show. Uh, so uh, we'll be che- cheering on Abby and Ali tomorrow uh, in the in the women's ski jumping there. So uh, we'll be watching out for them to see how 
they go. But yes, as you said, Australian perspective, obviously, I think we're keeping an eye on the men's moguls for a medal potentially. Uh, but Tess Cody hitting the slopes tomorrow uh, in the slope style, which, of course, she is a genuine medal chance to go in that one. So it will be uh, interesting to see how that goes. Uh, Alex Velazzo, of course, in the luge, hits the track tomorrow in uh, runs one and two. So we'll be keeping an eye out on how he goes with that. Uh, Dean and Tali also have two games on tomorrow up against Norway in Italy. Not that there's probably any realistic chance, as we said, but if, if there's going to be any, you've got to win these two games. Uh, you know, Norway, again, uh, not too far ahead. Um, so that's still in Italy. Someone's got to beat them eventually. So uh, you watch it all. It'll probably be us for that one. I will say just in terms of uh, off the podium guests, before I quickly go over some of the other Australians and Canadians, um, Tali and Dean, obviously in uh, action tomorrow. Charles Hamlin, flag bearer, uh, will be in the 1,000-meter heats. Uh, again, we assume. I'm just kind of judging this on what he's gone on in the past and also possibly in the mixed relay as well. Uh, Scott Gow, uh, our Canadian biathlete, will be in the mixed relay tomorrow as well. As I said, Ali Ludit and Abby Strait in the ski jumping and uh, also should mention in the uh, men's ski jumping, there will be some qualifying rounds tomorrow as well. Uh, American Casey Larson will be out there as well. And as I said, Alex Falazzo, Casey Wright will not be in the skiathlon, as she said on our interview, an exclusive for off the podium. She's not competing in that. Uh, Jess Yeaton will be, though, for Australia. But uh, a lot of people are still saying that Casey's going to be in that tomorrow. She's not doing the skiathlon. So just to clarify that. Um just got, I've got I've got a specialist here because this is Colin's job, but he's not here. He's, oh, I've got COVID. Um, just looking through some of the Canadians. I mean, we shouldn't really mention the ice hockey. The ice hockey has started. Canada twelve one lazy win they had the other day in the women's. Uh, so uh, very uh, heavy on the, against Switzerland too. Not such a bad side. Um, but they're on the ice again tomorrow against Finland. So that actually is a big match. Finland beat them in the twenty nineteen World Champs and. You know anything about women's ice hockey? Canada does not lose that often, and if they do, it's usually to America. So if they get beaten by somebody other than America, it's a big deal. That's tomorrow. Um, also uh, in curling, Canada will be playing both Sweden and the US. There you go, big rivalry there. Uh, and look, there's this is like the Summer Olympics for Australia. There's too many Canadians going on tomorrow. Macau Kingsbury locking a gold for Canada tomorrow night. So uh, we'll be having Colin on celebrating, hopefully live with that one uh, to talk about that. But uh, Canada's in the biathlon. You'll see them in the mixed team relay as well. Uh, they've got they've got some luge going on there. Reed Watts is their luge there for Canada. So let's cheer him on. Go, 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 Reed. Go, you good thing. Um, and in the men's ski jumping, we've also got Matthew Sukup and Mackenzie Boyd Klaus. And uh, in the speed skating, women's 3000, they've got three Isabel Weidman, Ivani Blondin, and Valerie Malte uh, all hitting the track as well. So uh, I've probably missed a few. This list is what I'm reading right now there with that one. But uh, yeah. Lots of stuff happening tomorrow, Jared. What are you, what are you most uh, – obviously, we just talked about the metal ones, but uh, obviously outside of the metal ones, um, again, I said there's some snowboard happening tomorrow uh, outside as well, which is not a metal event. But uh, luge, of course, we love the luge. Anything else you're looking forward to tomorrow? You know, just a bit of everything, I think. Um, I feel like the curling tomorrow. I've got a good feeling. We're going to get that first win. I just, I just know it, yeah. 
Yeah, in Norway or Italy. I, I'm calling it. We're beating Italy. We're going to be the, we're going to be the first side to beat Italy. That, that, that's because that, I mean they're only one spot ahead of us in the world rankings. We should beat them on paper or on ice, I guess you should say. But um, yeah, I'm I'm I'm, I'm with you. Let, let's let's beat the Italian rugby player guy. Guy's scary. Uh, not 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 as good looking as Oscar though. Clearly, um, when it comes to that, uh, big thanks everybody for tuning in. Obviously, we're putting this up very, very late. Uh, it's very late for us right now. It's nearly three o'clock. We're about to go to bed. Um, gentle reminder: if you like listening to the show, we're up for a sports podcast award. Sportspodcastawards.com. Uh, register quickly. Vote. Done. Done more voting for us this week. Have you, Jared? Just you know it. Good. Good to see we'll that we are day. still leading. Still lead. Can we maintain our lead for the entire Olympics? Mm. That's the challenge because this is when we should be getting votes, right? Because the people are listening right now, so uh, we'll uh, we'll keep that. Also, social media off the podium uh, on Instagram, Twitter, and of course Facebook on YouTube as well. No video interviews during the uh, Olympics. Uh, we we don't have time. You don't want to stare at our faces. You don't want to stare at our guests when it comes to that as well. And I will say a few other maybe surprise might have some surprise guests on the show during these Olympics. So. Uh, Stay tuned, stay tuned, and stay tuned to Channel 7. Watch their fantastic coverage every single day, and particularly Joanna Griggs. What a host. Just watch her uh, on, on air, uh, I believe, from 10.30 or 10. One of those. I should really know that, shouldn't I? Um, recapping the opening ceremony. So if you didn't get enough of it tonight, <laughs> then at some point in the morning on Channel 7, you will see a great recap. And I'm pretty sure... <laughs> Thank you for that, Jared. Good to know what time so I you should show up to work on time. <laughs> I'll walk in the studio. Yeah, you're not working here anymore. <laughs> you're late. She got the research wrong. You're fired. Um, Jared, thank you very much for joining me at this uh, wee hour of the morning. Uh, appreciate it. Thank you. It's been fun. And to everybody listening, thank you for tuning in to Off the Podium. Uh, big shout out to Jason Momoa. And as always, go left. What an episode. You loved every single second of it. It's been, again, just quickly reminding you once again, if you want to help us win a Sports Podcast Award, sportspodcastawards.com, register to vote, click on Best Olympic and Paralympic Podcast section, listen to the other nominees, and then go, hey, off the podium's awesome. They're so good. They put in so much work and so much effort, and we just love them, and they deserve to go on the podium for once. Ben's awesome. Jared's awesome. Colin's okay, but he's also kind of awesome. We'd really appreciate it. And particularly if you've actually listened to the rest of this and ended up here, because generally I assume you've well and truly tuned out by now. But seriously, if you're at this point of the podcast, then you're a true listener. And that means that you're a true fan and you should vote for us. Sportspodcastawards.com. Do it now. We will thank you forever. Literally ever. Like every episode moving forward, we will thank you forever. Sportspodcastawards.com. All right. Thanks for tuning in. We'll speak to you next time on Off the Podium. I'm I'm really going to go now. Bye.